0: I turned 44 on Friday, and uh, I'm an old man now, Mark. I now finally understand what you've been going through for 25 years now. It's rough, um, but I had the best, the best birthday present. Um, I was uh, so I'm now that I'm like old. I go to bed at like 8:30, you know, 8:15. I'm starting to like oh, I gotta go to bed. And so uh, I'm, I'm texting my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter who's at college, she goes to UC Irvine, and she's like, oh yeah, I want to talk to you before you go back. I'm like, all right, cool. All right. And she, she FaceTimes me, and I'm like, talking to her, and, and then I turn around, and I'm walking into my living room, and I hear the front door open, and it's her. And so she's standing in front of me, but I was like, so, I was like, trying to figure out how my iPhone has this new capability to do like a 3D... I mean, I was like, what is going on here? And I was, it was like, it like, took me like 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, she's here. Because then she's like, do you want to hug? And I was like, yes. I hugged my phone. It was so awkward. It was so awkward. But I was like, best birthday present ever. Uh, because when you, when you, I think when you like, turn over 40, um, the gifts just change. Right? Because you don't matter anymore. So what you get is sweatpants, socks, or blankets. That's all I get now. And I, I got this pair of, of joggers that are blue, that are this, literally the same pair they gave me a couple months ago for Christmas. I'm like, I'm like, do you guys even, do you even pay attention? So, uh, it, was, it was rough, but yeah. To bleach them? That'll probably be uh, high Tie them? I don't know. It was awkward. So. Hey, uh, quick question. What are some of the reasons why you love Jesus? Bon eighty, life goes easy. Graceful grace, loved the way. Live, the way. Because he first loved you. That's good. That was that? He gave me a 44th birthday. He made you old. What's that say about you? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I think about why I love Jesus and what I find so fascinated about him, there's a number of things, I mean, I really, I been read through the Gospels, and one thing that I really love is I love that he challenges legalistic, religious people all over the Gospels, you know, the kind of people that are like, oh yeah, you, you know, those people aren't good, those people will never ever be able to be a part of this community, I, I love that he's constantly jacking up the mayor. and now that I live in Jefferson State, thing about being here that makes me really happy about <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but I also love that Jesus cares for the broken, right? I mean, you just see that he's moved by compassion. I love that Jesus goes after the one lost sheep, because I was a lost sheep. Uh, I love that he radiates and overflows with love and grace and truth and we find throughout the Gospels that grace and truth and love are a person. You know, I love those things. And, you know, sometimes I think though that we, uh, as followers of Jesus, we have to like, maybe just spend some time thinking about how we connect to those things that we love about Jesus. And, and I really do believe that one of the most important things for us to believe as followers of Jesus is that we're called to continue the ministry of Jesus the things that jesus was about we should also be about we should also be about those things and i I just love how we see that the church has a purpose and in the same way that jesus spent his time proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of god that we also are called to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of god in other words we're supposed to do what jesus did we're supposed to do what jesus did I think it's probably true that that might seem really impossible for many of you in this room maybe it's because of your past maybe you think well my history is so checkered and I have I've, I've you know had I've had challenges with drugs and alcohol and maybe I've been divorced a few times or I've I have some some crimes in my past and you know you, you can't be talking about me Luke or or maybe um, you've got weaknesses and you're well, well aware of them you know like, Never use me. You can never minister through me, or maybe you have a bunch of fears that that prevent you from being willing to step into that. But here's the thing: you are able, it is possible for you to join Jesus in his mission, but it's not because of you, it's because of Christ who lives in you in the presence of his spirit. And so we have been in this current sermon series that we just started last week that we're calling links and last week we took some time to to think about and and reflect on the different ways that people connect to jesus so at the vineyard here we have said for since we've been here for over seven and a half years now um, and our, our church has a long history of being committed to this very thing we have said that our mission is to know jesus and to make jesus known and that's our mission because we believe that's God's mission. That's what the Bible seems to indicate is the, the mission of God. And so last week we talked about the different ways that people connect to Jesus. And we kind of traced out these these different roles and how you can actually play a part that it might seem like so insignificant. You might be like, well I just clean the bathrooms or I just do the sound or I just play guitar or I just greet people at the door. But What we see experientially through people's testimonies is that all of those different things lead up to the way that people can meet Jesus and can connect with him. And so we talked a little bit about the greeters and the coffee team and the music and the the prayers and all these different things, maybe the events that connect people to Jesus. You know, we we had a men's barbecue. Insane amount of meat. It was so much meat. In fact, it was proved positive that if you put a bunch of dudes in a room, there will be 45 steaks and one potato salad this big. It was like, <laughs> it was like I know it was like, I looked at that. I was like, who brought that? It was an my wife made me but... So this morning, what I want to do is I want to consider a leak in the chain. We're talking about leaks in the chain as a metaphor the ministries of the church. I want to talk about a link in the chain that that often gets overlooked and and maybe even you don't realize the influence that you can have in someone's life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 2. So we read these words. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Then Jesus heard this and told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So Holy Spirit, we ask once again for you to come spend time wrestling with how we can take this text of holy scripture that was inspired by you and apply it into our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, Levi was not liked by his community. When we read this text, I think we, we kind of, we see that, that Levi was a tax collector, right? And I have done a little bit of polling, Heard anybody ever say that they like tax collectors, right? I mean, just no one does, and uh, and it's been like that, yeah, for a long time. People don't like tax collectors, and in this cultural context, it's even it's even worse because Levi he, he worked for the government at that time, and and the Jewish people in this cultural setting did not like the tax collectors because the tax collectors at this time worked for an oppressive government, and, and also oftentimes would, would, would skim from the top, and everybody knew it. And so they were despised, uh, they, were, they were hated by many people, and people like him were basically looked at as thieves. That's essentially how people looked at him. And it's, it's like how many of us feel about government at times. Right? Um, you know, I've, I've kind of, as a centrist type of person myself, Uh, What I've observed over uh, time is that basically everybody doesn't like the government. Like it's interesting, right? Left wing, it's people have complaints, and if you go on Facebook, you can find all of them out, right? Right. So people are people are oftentimes really not fans of the government, and in this setting, um, you can see it's even it's even worse, right? Because Levi was one of those people that in that context would have been rejected by everybody, no one likes him. And I, I think that there's something for us to learn from this text for us in our cultural context though, because I think that we could put anyone that we don't like in place of Levi, okay? Anybody you don't like, you can put in the place of Levi. And whether we care to admit it or not, whether we're willing to admit this, we so easily place people into the category of don't agree with them, or if we don't like them, or if we find them to, to be people that we're uncomfortable with, and this is one of the things that I think makes the kingdom of God seem so upside down, because we have Jesus here inviting someone who is an outsider, he invites enemies, he invites the broken, he invites the has-beens and the never-will-bees, and he says, come and feast with me, and it's, it's absolutely upside down, in fact, it's somewhat offensive to many of us people. And it upset the religious people in his day as well. I had this really interesting experience yesterday, where um, you know we had this workshop, and and uh, I came back after lunch, and I was going to just finish some things up for today, and I pulled in, and there was a person who was who had our trash can open and was just digging through it, and there was just garbage kind of all over. And uh, just pause for a moment, like I know we all realize that problem in california right and there's all these different opinions about the homeless, okay and, and i i I'm just want to be honest with you where i'm at i oftentimes struggle with with this tension that i feel because on one hand i can understand how people are concerned about enabling and, and there's all these things now that just you know like produces more etc. i get that but i also can't help but read the gospels and see that jesus like, goes after people like that all the time. And he treats them with dignity and love. And so I'm, I'm like, in this place where, like, my wife and I, we've made up some of these guidelines for us that we won't give people money, but we will never, ever not give somebody a meal. Like, any time we're like, I'm not going to give you money, but if you want a sandwich and a Coke or something, I will do that for you. And so I pull up, and it was interesting because I pulled up, and I could tell by the look on his face that he... Thought he was in trouble and he got kind of like swolled up, but I was everything And it was as I was sitting in my truck, I was looking at him. He was he was like, you know, and I was like, I can feel myself like I I was transported back to when I was twenty one and playing college hockey and I was ready to drop the gloves. I was like, you wanna you wanna rock out right now, bro? I I could feel it. It was crazy. And and all of a sudden, I'm not kidding. It was like. Spirit starts to like. I was like, oh, it "Hit me!" I was like, I just was like, "Oh yeah, the pastor. What am I doing?" I'm like, I'm like, I am oh a terrible God. human. It was so bad.
1: So I, I opened
0: the door and I was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And he's like, "Am I doing anything wrong?" I was like, he's like no. I mean, because I left the freaking log off. It's like free rain. And what was really, this is so cool." They, Throwing some things away, he we would clean out some rooms, and there was some tarps and canopies in it that were old that he needed. And he was—he was like, "Is it cool to have these?" I was like, "And I was like, absolutely." And so I, I started talking to him, and, and uh, he shared his name with me, and, and I was just like, "Man, it was like a moment where I don't know God was—God was on this thing, right?" And so I, I just talked to him a little bit, and, and I was like, "Hey, man." Him, he's like, oh, man, can I have some water? And I, you know, my truck, uh, I live in Red Bluff, so I travel around with like 95 plastic bottles of water all the time because I never know what's going to happen. So i like, absolutely, have some waters. And, and, and he, he walked away, and it was interesting because I was reflecting on what just happened. And let me tell you something that I observed in his, in his face. He had clearly had so many interactions with people that were a threat to his survival in his life That was his automatic posture right now. And it made me sad. I was sad that that was was the the, the, the cultural context. And I'm not overlooking any of the things that you and I might be curious or worried about. But I'm telling you right now that he is a human being created in the image of God that desperately needs to experience the same grace that you and I have. And, And so it really, it's just been kind of on my, the last, I don't know, 24 hours now I've been thinking about, man, it's like Jesus is constantly inviting people like that into his kingdom to feast with him, and then those of us who look like we belong, he doesn't invite. Wow, right? Well, that's why I like Jesus. I like Jesus. I uh, listen to this, this is just to kind of help us understand Levi and the, the actual like way that people Look at Levi. Look look at this. This is what Tom Wright, a biblical theologian, says. He says, for Jesus to invite people like Levi to a feast in his own home, people known locally as sinners, an easy label to stick on those who didn't conform either to the strict religious religious requirements of law or the strict political expectations of opposition to Herod and Rome, this was simply, what's the word? Outrageous. He should know better, oh Jesus. Mark is continuing, the Gospel of Mark is continuing to show how Jesus' early ministry aroused opposition at the social, cultural, political, and above all, religious levels. Oh, I love Jesus. I just love, I just love this, and, 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 and I just love how he does this. Jesus interrupted Levi's day, and he invited him to become a disciple, and Levi says yes, And and the next thing we know, he's having a feast with Jesus and his friends, which just goes to show that anything is possible with God, and no one is so broken that they're unredeemable. I love that, that's the gospel truth. I spent some time in Kenya. I think I went to Kenya like maybe, I don't know, 13, 14 times over the course of of, of, about a decade. And, And one of the things that I saw constantly were, were people who lived on the streets, um, these young boys who were like 12, 13, 8, 8 years old even, 6 years old, and they would live on the streets and they were they would just sniff glue all the time. And, and so, you know, oh, those drug abusers. They'd sniff glue, sniff glue all the time and they would be high all the time. And and I know that that's one of the things. It's like, oh, these kids are just abusing, abusing drugs all the time. How terrible. But do you want to know why they sniff glue? Because they don't eat, and in order to suppress the hunger pains, they sniffle it. And I was like, I have never gone without food for more than fifteen minutes in my life. I would be a disaster, right? We don't go through those things very often. And but I, I remember these kids, and it's like society is just even in Kenya. The Kenyans who know these things, they just constantly are walking past them and kind of ignoring their plight, so to speak. And yet there's these churches there who have a heart for them, and they go and they they feed them, and they love on them, and they do their best to share the gospel with them. And and over the course of 10 years, what I met is I met some of these young boys who were living on the streets and then um, just had interactions with Christians who would. attending churches, and then they um, started going to youth group, and then they started going to, to, like, these classes that the churches would offer, and they would learn more about Jesus, and then they would have a sense of calling to their lives, and then they would go through a period of training, and then they would go out and plant churches, or build orphanages and rescue kids. And it's because they bought into the reality that no one is unredeemable. No one is. I saw time and time again, because no one is unreachable, so we need to check check our judgments and our assumptions out the door. We just need to. We need to to deal with those, because I really firmly believe a number of things that have been helpful for me in the way that I interact with people. Just really quickly, everyone is created in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. Everybody. Everyone has intrinsic value. so deeply loved by God, that Jesus was willing to die on the cross for their sins. I believe this too, and this is the thing that really hits me, is that everyone is a daughter, a son, a mother, a father, or a sibling, right? And when you see people, it's like, we have to stop dehumanizing them. And I'm talking about anybody and everybody. We all have people that we don't like. And then finally, everyone can be redeemed. And this is why we need to be so focused season of what God is doing in our church, we need to be laser-guided as to why we are trying to build teams and get you involved, you need to serve on a team, and the reason why is because we want to reach more people, amen, we want to, and we we don't want to have people fall through the cracks, and so that's kind of what God, I think, is doing right now. But here's the thing about this this story, I think, is that self-awareness is a leap toward Jesus makes an interesting statement about his own ministry in the Gospel of Mark. He says these words. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. He does? Sick people. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Until you understand your own brokenness, you can't understand your need for Jesus. Until you understand your own sin, you can't appreciate God's correspondingly, I think, once you come to terms with just how merciful God has been to you, you can't help but start giving back and joining God's mission. That's what I I have discovered, is that the more I become aware of God's activity in my life, the more I'm willing to give things up for Him. It says D.T. Niles famously said, I love this quote, Christianity is one beggar. for us to join God's mission to make a difference in the lives of other people. We really need to commit to that. So I want to really quickly talk about this. It's very very common I think for people who who have encountered Jesus to tell their friends about Jesus. We see that in this story, right? Um, Levi gets invited to become a disciple. He says yes. Have some type of transformative um, exchange with And then instantaneously says, Jesus and your disciples, I want you all to come to my house. And then he invites all of his friends to join him. So in other words, you can and should invite anyone and everyone, regardless of their reputation or their background, to meet Jesus and to experience church community. So I expect you all to start inviting your scummy friends to the vineyard. I just want to give you a suggestion that you should not go to your friends and be like, my pastor said to invite some scums. I want to know if you want to come to church. Like, that's probably not the way to do it, right? But I do I do think, though, that the point is is that, is that the kingdom is wide open for all and everyone. So the people that you think can never, ever experience redemption can, in fact, So we we showed really quickly this this link thing, right? We've got readers and coffee team and music and kids ministry and prayer and the sermon and the events we have, and they all lead people to Jesus, right? But you want to know probably the most important link on this is this invitation, inviting people to experience Jesus. And this is why, is because people are one invitation away from encountering God and experiencing Let's stand up.